So I jotted down a couple shilas. I'll try to get to uh, as many as I can. The first one is just to run through quickly, um, and that's uh, if someone is, uh, God forbid, in Avelis, the question is, uh, I was asked about going to a, a Purim, Purim Suda that's coming up, going to a Purim Suda, there's going to be music, is it allowed? So, just very big kids there, I'll, I'll read you the words from Rabbi Olbaum, Rabbi Olbaum in the Sefer Chukei Chaim, that's a Sefer on Avelis, on Daf Reish Chav Dalet. He says, "Mutter la'avel b'taychud beis chaydish lahazmin orchim alias oirach etzel sudas purim." You're allowed to be a guest or to have guests over for a purim party if you're an avelus. Shratz mechuyiv lachol, because it's not an optional party. It's a it's a chiyiv suda. It's obligated. It's not like a a sudas mitzvah. It's a chiyiv suda. Ba'afilu b'suda sheishem klishir. Even if there is musical instruments, mutar liyos noichach sham kolas suda. You're allowed to be there. Doesn't it doesn't matter. He says it's allowed. And he, he, he talks about afterwards in that same piece, he talks about, um, it's actually interesting, it's not as discussed amongst the earlier Paiskim. Um, he does discuss what happens, a lot of times you'll start a Purim Suda, let's say Purim is Sunday, that means that Sunday night, Purim's over. Most Purim Sudas go after Purim. So he said it's fine, as long as you haven't benched, you're still in the Purim Suda, but once you bench, you gotta go. That's, that's, that's the halacha, that's the halacha from, uh, again, that's the first psak. That's, that's the minigailam is to be lenient. So shayla number two is just to mention a halacha. This is one of the differences between Ashkenazim and Sephardim. It came up this week. Um, someone told me they had a set of dishes, set of, it was a set of knives. And it was uh, fleshik, and they wanted to make the milchik. So I said, are you Sephardi or Ashkenazi? Because that's a major distinction. The truth is, if you think about it, what's the, what's the problem? I mean, it's milchik, you want a kasher, make a fleshik. Well, what's the problem? go through the koshering process. If anything, it's easier because it's kosher. Mm-hmm. And the Svaradim have zero problem with it. But there's a uh, minig of Ashkenazim. goes back to the Magan Avram. This is the Magan Avram. It's in Tav Kuf Tes. The Magan Avram. The Magan Avram was in the mid-1600s. The Magan Avram says the minig of Ashkenazim is not to. We do not kosher from milchik to fleshik or vice versa. We do not. Now, the reason for that was is because uh, the Ashkenazim were afraid. I wouldn't say the Chazal. It's Ashkenazi minig. The, the concern was, if you're allowed to go back and forth, then what people are going to end up doing is you'll have one set of dishes, and you'll just be like, oh, I'll go back and forth. Milchik, and then fleshik, and then fleshik, and then milchik, koshering it in between each time to save some money. But what's going to end up happening inevitably is there'll be one time where you'll forget to kosher it, and you'll trafe up your kitchen. So to avoid that, the minig of Ashkenazim is we do not kasher back and forth from milchik to fleshik. That's the minig of Ashkenazim. Now I will mention some heterim from this. First of all, if it's not kosher, you can kasher it. Not kosher is fine. You can move my father's tefillin, by the way. Not kosher is fine. Not kosher is fine, right? It's from milchik to fleshik and fleshik to milchik. From not kosher to kosher, of course you can kasher. So Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky says that the minig was in Europe that if something wasn't coat, if something was milchik and you wanted to make it fleshik, they would trafe it up. They would, <laughs> I don't know, it's a dangerous thing, but they would get, uh, maybe they'd get their neighbors and give the neighbors a knife and say, can you, uh, non-kosher neighbor, can you cut pork with it? But, and then, okay, that, that's one option. I, I will say this, obviously that's not uh, advisable, but uh, another option is uh, around Pesach time, the minig is that you could, meaning once you're going from chametz to Pesach, then we allow you to kasher now it's pariv, now you could restart. So if you have a, a fleshic set of dishes, you want to make a milchik, and it's a couple weeks before Pesach, so wait till Pesach, kasher them for Pesach, and then once, once they're kosher for, for Pesach, then you could re-choose, they're kosher anyway, you could re-choose. Um, 
two other options of what are permissible. I saw the Poiskim, uh, the Marsham, the Marsham held that if you're selling them, I didn't know this, if you're selling them, you could kasher it. Meaning, let's say I have a set of Fleshik knives. I want to sell them or give them to a gift to someone. But I don't want that person to be stuck to have a Fleshik. They want to give it the option, you can kasher it. Because I guess that wasn't Bechal the Minig, that wasn't included in the Minig. And the other one is, the issue is going from Milchik to Fleshik or Fleshik to Milchik. You can go to Parif. You can go to Parif. You have to understand, historically, especially historically, they didn't have money. They couldn't afford a Parif set of dishes. That was never a thing. And therefore the Minig was to prevent from Milchik to Fleshik, Fleshik to Milchik. But from Milchik to Parif, or Fleshik to Parif is fine. Now, if months later you want to change, okay, that's fine. I wouldn't play such a game, but you can go to Parav. That's what Paiskam are permitting. It's interesting, Ramosha Sternbach has a tshuva where he discusses why is everyone... This is not for now. Maybe I should talk about this maybe next week. I'll write this down for next week. Um, your oven should be one thing. Your oven should not be both. Your oven should either be milchik or fleshik. That's what your oven should be. If your oven is both, you probably have a big problem. So let's say your oven is fleshik. Most people's ovens are fleshik. Okay, you want to use milchik. Uh, randomly, every couple weeks, you want to cook pizza in the, in the oven. So you kasher it. You could double cover. That's it's an option. But if you want to avoid that, you can kasher it. Kashering from the oven, from milchik to fleshik, or from fleshik to milchik, does not involve self-cleaning. Self-cleaning is when you need... Self-clean oven is when you're going from non-kosher to kosher. That needs libun gomer, very, very high level of kashering. But when you're going from milchik to fleshik, because it's all kosher, it doesn't need libun gomer. You need what's called libun kal. Libun kal is so hot that a match, the uh, tissue paper would ignite. What's the temperature of that? The OU, Revavad Yosef, and all the modern day paiskim, Rabbi Olbam says the same thing, is that basically if you turn on 500 for about an hour and a half, that's libun kal. So that, that's the minig nowadays, that if you have an oven that's fleshik and you want to make a milchik, you either double cover the item or you kasher it. For an hour and a half. For an hour and a half. So it's a, so I saw it, says, I thought you're not supposed to go from milchik to fleshik. So the answer to that is that the minig was only in for kalim. Ovens that were so big and so expensive that they couldn't have multiple sets, ovens the minig was that if need to kasher back and forth, that, that would be acceptable. So that's the second halacha. So I, I'm going to skip around. I have a couple options, but you asked me to do this one, so I, I want to do it before I forget. There's a very, obs- it's not obscure, it's a misunderstood halacha. Okay? It's a misunderstood halacha. The Shulchan Aruch writes in Simon Shin Zayin Sif Yudalit. The Shulchan Aruch discusses if you have mail that comes from outside of the Tron, the Shulchan Aruch says, Lo yigabai, don't touch it. Because of the Shulchan Aruch, and because of another factor I'll tell you in a second. Most people believe that if mail comes to your house, not just mail, a package comes to your house, you can't touch it. Now that's not necessarily true. Let's, let's just go olive base. Most mail, I'm saying a lot of mail is muksa. A lot of the contents of mail is muksa. Most letters are muksa. Most bills, bills are muksa, checks are muksa. Okay, so, so most mail is muksa. Packages, I'm going to separate mail from packages. Let's go packages. You get a UPS package, Amazon. Now, a lot of packages are muksa. If you ordered a, an electric item, then the item is muksa. So, of course, you can't. You, can, you have to touch it the way you would touch muksa, which is push with your body, whatever it is, but you really can't touch it. It's muksa. But let's say you get a safer that came in the mail, a shirt. Item's not muksa. Most people are under the impression that you cannot move mail at all. Now, 
part of the problem with that is nowadays it's becoming a much bigger problem. I remember years ago it was like all porch pirates were like a small. Now it's like you got they'll they'll steal your bags like all the time. So let me read you a few lines. I, I typed it up because I want I don't want any misunderstanding. I'm quoting Ravelsky. Ravelsky writes in his Sefer Shulchan Alevi, and I'll explain afterwards what Ravadia says. Shulchan Alevi daf mem dalit. He says kasher magia door b'shabes. If you get mail or packages on Shabbos, im yodim bebirur. If you know that there's no bills, nothing muksa in the mail itself, you can bring it in with your hands. And he says, If you're not sure what's in it, then you have to treat it as potentially muksa. So don't do it with your hands. You could kick it. Okay, fine. Now he says, what about the fact that everyone just assumes that all mail is moksa because it came, it was driven to you, it came from outside of the tchum? You do not have to make it aser. Why? It's not moksa at all. I, the Shulchan Aruch, says it's moksa. We don't pass him like that. Now, he does say, The Shulchan Rebelski says, the only thing you should not do is you shouldn't benefit from it. You shouldn't eat it if it's food. You shouldn't wear it if it's clothing. So it's actually funny. I'm glad that you mentioned it but now by my mincha. So I, I've always told people this psak, which is that if a package comes, you shouldn't eat the food, you shouldn't wear the clothing, but you could bring it in, and if it's a book, you could read it. Because that's what Rebelsky says very clearly. So I checked, Revavadia, I have a very nice set. Yeah, you could open the box. How you open the box, that's a separate shayla. You want to do it, lakuli alma, you rip it in a way that the box is unusable. Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rav Zalman would feel that it's permitted to open a package box because the box is insignificant compared to the contents inside. Okay, but you want to go to Kuliyama. You rip it, you know, mamish, rip it apart so that it's, it's nothing. So I have a set of mishaburas that I like very much. It's by a Rav, I think, Lior Dahan. He's from the neighborhood. So he has a nice mishabur. I actually buy it in the barbershop. Whenever I go to the barbershop, they sell it there. So it's, it's the mishabur with the rivadi on the bottom. It's actually very helpful. Makes it that I don't have to check too much. So he brings down that Yalkut Yosef, rivadi is actually lenient. You, you could even eat the items if it comes, and you could even wear the items. Why? Makes a lot of sense. What's the issue that you're not allowed to, let's say, wear the, let's say you get a shirt from Amazon. What's the issue? So Rebelsky says you could bring it in. You just can't wear it. Why? So the concern is, if you wear it, we're concerned that you might come to, this is a non-Jew did it for you. You're not supposed to benefit from the actions of a non-Jew because we're concerned that you might come to ask the non-Jew initially to do it. Ravadia, and it's not just Ravadia, Piskei brings down other Paiskin that agree with it, the Yan, the Yan David writes other, like this as well. Nowadays, the, 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 the Amazon guy is doing his job. There's no concern that I'm going to call him up and be like, hey, can you... They're doing their job. They're doing their job because that's the service they promise. Their service is that if you pay, they will deliver it for you. It's not necessarily just for you. It's part of the chevra of, uh, of Doar. It's, it's not like it was back then where you pay to a non-Jew, hey, do me a favor, deliver this package. This is a system that is built in. They're not doing it for you. And if not for you, they'd still be driving in the same truck. They'd still come on the same block. Many points come out So I will say this. If you want to avoid benefiting from it, okay, that might be a nice thing that's to adhere to Rav Belsky. If you want to benefit from it, Rav Yosef is, is definitely large enough that you can rely on him, especially because it makes sense nowadays with the, with the mail. But I will say this, it's definitely not muksa. Uh, that seems to be very clear. It's not muksa, and there, unless the item itself is muksa. But if the item is not muksa, if you know what you ordered from Amazon, and you know that it's not a muksa item, okay, then you could bring it in, be a daim, there shouldn't, uh, there shouldn't be a hakvada, there shouldn't be a problem.
Like to move muksa, it, let's say it's like a laptop, whatever. It's like straight up muksa. You can't do it with beef dying. That's a real problem. You do it with the, your goof. You, you again. You try to push it, kick it. I don't know some way uh, without damaging it. Yeah, I guess you could. That's another aid. So some places say you could use like a like a broom to try to sweep it in. Again, you know, it's not. Uh, but, but more than that, because I, I will say this: when when it comes to actual letters, most letters, if you learn the halachas of of cheshbonos and and what's considered muksa, most letters are muksa. Most letters are muksa, especially nowadays. Yeah, I'm saying, but but junk muksa. <laughs> I'm saying so. I, I'm saying it's mostly junk, but what it is is usually muksa. The letters are usually a problem. Packages not as much. Um, okay, let's just run through a couple more halachas. Uh, so this I was just asked a couple days ago. It could be it's common knowledge. I probably spoke around the past. I just want to review. Um, there's a halacha. You have to know where the sources of everything is. This is from the Rama. No, it's important because if you're Sephardi, it's not from the Shulchan Aruch, it's from the Ramah. The Ramah in the beginning of Hilchas Halakas Neiris discusses if a woman forgets to light candles, there's a penalty. We penalize her that she has to add a candle every other Shabbos from then on. That's what the Ramah writes. Someone asked me that they forgot to light, so the Ramah adds that there's a penalty. Now, uh, the, again, the purpose is it's, not, it's, it's a penalty in order to, to punish you and incentivize in the future. Now, I will say this, not every time that they don't light do you penalize. You only penalize when it's shogig, when it's an ones, when it's out of the control, then there's no penalty. So I'll give you an example. Right, there are, there are many, many people, um, there's an old minig that every child that a woman has, they add a candle. It's an old minig going back hundreds of years. People thought the minig was because... The Shabbos, after she gives birth, a lot of times she's not feeling well. So she can't light. So, okay, so there's a, that, that's a penalty. And because of that, it just became the minute that whenever. That's obviously not true. First of all, there's a couple reasons. First of all, let her husband light for her. If she's not feeling up to it, so let her husband light for her. There's no reason for her not to have candles. Second of all, if she's not able to light because she's not feeling well, that's an onus. That's not, we would never penalize a woman if she's sick. Of course not. So, by the way, the minig is, the reason why they add a candle is because the Gemara says that if you're makbid on candles, you'll have children that are tamidei chachamim. And because of that, when you have a child, you want to add a candle to say, I want another, more tamidei chachamim, more tamidei chachamim. But the point is, if, a, if it's an ones, you don't. So let's say a woman's stuck on the road. right? I, every, every couple of weeks, I'll get like, a, someone calling me like 45 minutes before Shabbos. And now that there's ways, you know, it's not like it used to be. You know what time. Like... It says I'm going to get there four minutes after Shkia. What do I do? So let's say a situation like that arises, which I'm not going to go into right now, but maybe for next week. But uh, such a situation arises, you obviously can't light when you're stuck on the road. So there's no penalty for that. It's an onus. But sometimes, what's an onus and what's a shogig, eh, it's a little bit tough. And that's why the post game advised that every situation that comes up, you ask a shayla. I'll give you an example. A woman is very tired. She takes a nap. She sleeps Right into Shabbos. Is that an onus and a shogeg? So, on the one hand, we know there's a rule that when someone's sleeping, they're considered an onus, right? That's the general rule. If you're, if you're yashen, you're onus. On the other hand, you go to sleep 30 minutes before Shabbos without setting an alarm, it's not the brightest thing. So, you have to ask a shayla each time. Um, now, the reason why I mention that it's from the Ramah is Ravavadya. By the way, the Paiskim, most Paiskim hold that even though there's electric lights on, still penalize because. The point is not electric lights. The point is not we, pun, we, we add a candle because it's, you're sitting in the dark. It's not that. It's that you forgot. And you forgot. I'll give you an example. Rav Ephraim, Rav Ephraim Greenblatt, 
I bought the set of farm, which I'm very into. Rivoy Sefraimin's Chelik Vav, Simen Kuf He brings down the following Shaila. A woman goes to her mom's house for Shabbos, falls asleep, forgets, forgets the light. But her mom lit. He says, he quotes Ramosha, his rabbi, Ramosha finds him, you have to add a candle. Why? Because he says, I don't care that the mom lit, you didn't light, and it's a penalty. Now, when it comes to, let's say, if she wasn't a married woman, the halacha is that a woman, when she lights, she covers her whole household. But the minig is not to cover other married women. And therefore, when her mother lights, even though her mother might have in mind her family and the guests Friday night, but she doesn't have in mind her married daughter. And therefore, because her married daughter, although there is candles lit, but we penalize her, she it forgot. So, yeah, so, the, the, so the point is like this. While we are makbid, even though there's electric lights, there were paiskim that held, there's electric lights on, why should you penalize her? So they asked her Vivadia, what's the halacha? So Vivadia held like this. Because this whole thing, there are electric lights. And this is not from the Shulchan Aruch. This is from the Ramah. And it's, the whole thing's a penalty, so let's not go too nuts. So Ravadia held that we, in, for Svardim, they don't have to. Ashkenazim should, because it's from the Ramah. But for Svardim, they don't have to. But what he said is, the next Shabbos, you should get larger candles. Meaning, yeah, a little bit, you know, if you could, let's say you're Makbida, you've been using tea lights, get the one-inch lights. You know, it's the same amount, but just a little bit more Mohudr. Uh, it's funny, the interesting, the Paiskimaska Shailas, you have to, when it comes up, do we penalize on Yom Tif? If a woman forgets to light candles on Yom Tif, which happened this past Yom Tif, someone called me, and uh, they forgot. Do they have to add candles on Yom Tif? So the reason why there's a Shailah, Rav Greenblatt also in Shuvah talks about this in Chilich the reason why it's a Shailah is because it could be they only penalize Shabbos, because Shabbos is very common to forget, because you have a cutoff. Yom Tif, you could light all night. So it's very rare for a woman to forget Yom Tif candles. So maybe because it's rare, they didn't penalize. He's not sure. Another Shailah. You have a guy who's single who lights because he lives alone, so he lights candles. He forgets. Do they penalize? But Pashtas not. Pashtas, the Gzeira was for the more common application, which was for married women. Uh, like if a Chabad girl, right? Chabad girls light from the age of three. It's the, one of the Takanas of the Rebbe. So if they forget, they're not adding a candle. They light one candle. If they forget, they're not adding a second candle. But that's the halacha. And again, like I said, whenever it comes up, you should ask a Shaila. Um, okay. Oh, I'm going to mention the Shaila. I get myself in trouble, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I would never do this. I can tell you, there are certain things I, I mentioned in the past. It's just how you're raised. I told you once, I, I, I gave a shear about uh, brushing teeth. I don't brush my teeth on Shabbos. I, I've mentioned that. I gave a shear once that Ravadia is lenient or Soloveitchik was lenient in my house. You do not brush your teeth on Shabbos. It was like, uh, no, no way. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's not the same, but like, uh, it's like whistling. Like, someone asked me this past Shabbos, like, what's the, what's the problem with whistling? Is it shadim? I said, no, no, no. It's, it wasn't in, in Europe. I think my grandfather used to say, fafanit. I think that was a, like a Jew doesn't whistle. Fafnit, fafnit, whatever. It was considered unrefined. So it was like, you don't do it. Certain things you just don't do. I can tell you now, I would never do this. You're not going to get a hatter from me. I've heard a lot about this. I'll explain to you where it comes from. Again, I, I hold stark not to. I'm, I'm not doing this at all. You ask a shayla, I'm not doing it. And that is turning on hot water in an apartment building. So I've heard this throughout the years. Rumors going around that you could take hot water in an apartment building. It's fine. I, I don't know if you guys have heard this. Huh? Shabbos. Look at Shabbos. Shabbos. You could take hot water out. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. I'll explain to you where the head to comes from. I'm not doing it. Oh, it's the same thing. I'm telling you, I, I won't. I won't do it at all. The chalal not. I, 
Take a shower. Take a shower. Wash your hands. Take a shower. So, let me explain where it comes from. So the, the, every time you have a hot water boiler, when you take hot water out, the main issue is not the water you're taking out. That's already cooked. The problem is that cold water goes in its place. Okay. So Rabbi Ribiat, in his Lamates Malachas book, which is shocking because he's usually very, very strict, he has one paragraph where he says, I think it's in Bishel, like uh, 264 is, the I think, the number, where he says that, I think 264, I don't know. So he says that, in case of necessity, you could be lenient. Or at, but ask a Shiloh first. So what's up, Shah? So if you go to the back, this is where he's coming from. He's coming from the concept called a Suffolk Psikresha. Okay? A Suffolk Psikresha means as follows. I'll try to explain it the best that I can. When you do an action on Shabbos that might cause an Isser, might not cause an Isser, that's Mutter. That's called Avashen Mishavim. If your intention is not to do the Avera and it may not happen, that's fine. If the Avera is inevitable, that's a problem. It's called Psik Resha. Psik Resha from the Gemara was cut off the head. Psik Resha, cut off the head. But the case was from the Gemara, you have a, a kid who wants to play. Their toys were chicken heads. So the father cuts off the head of the chicken to give him the, a, a toy. So Gemara says, it's also Why? I'm not intending to kill the chicken. That's not my intention. The answer is, it's inevitable. It's called Psikresha. There's a Shaila in the Rishonim. It's a Machleikas. Ramah, in the beginning of Bas Bechalov. There's a Rekhivega, a very long Rekhivega, in the beginning of Bas Bechalov. And there's a Taz. A very, very long Bir Allah. I think it's Shim Vav. They basically argue as follows. What if something's called a Suffolk Psikresha? Okay? What it means is, it's inevitable, maybe. What do I mean is, I don't have all the information. If I had all the information, I could tell you whether it's inevitable. Right? Cutting off a chicken's head is inevitable. A lot of actions are not inevitable. Is this action inevitable? And the answer is, I don't have all the information. If I had all the information, I would know. But I don't have all the information. Is that mutter? The example, the case of the Taz, is you have a box. You don't know what's in the box. And you want to take a, a nail and hammer, and hammer the nail in. So what's the shaila? Is it a problem of trapping? Why? Because there might be a fly in there. Well, is it inevit- inevitable? Well, it depends. If there's a fly in there, yeah. If not, then no. So it's a suffix whether it's considered psikresha. You don't know whether it's inevitable. Suffix psikresha is a machloikis, taz and rekivay. Suffix psikresha is considered... By the way, Ravavadia employed a suffix psikresha. He's lenient. A suffix psikresha by, by fridges. The problem is when you open up a fridge... It, it, the motor might go on because the, the temperature might raise, triggering the motor. So it's inevitable. So Ravadi says, well, I, I don't know. I don't know the temperature inside the fridge. If I knew the temperature inside the fridge, I could tell you whether it's inevitable. If the fridge is 20 degrees, it's not. If the fridge is 63, and hang, it's called subsecration. So Ravadi says like this. Because there's a, if a guy, is it inevitable when in an apartment building or in a hotel, if I turn on the hot water, that cold water will go in its place? So he says, well, I don't know. Because if a non-Jew is currently taking a shower, then it's not, because the water is already open, the valve is already open. If he's not, then it is. He calls that a suffix psikresha. And secondly, he says, it might also be a grumma. A grumma means secondary, it's not direct. Because it's not like I'm directly doing it. I'm doing this, which is causing that. Grama with the suffix of gracious mother. Here's my comments on it, twofold. But my first comment is no. But, my, but the twofold comment is like this. First of all, he even acknowledges this. I spoke to Marash Shiva once. 
defining grama on Shabbos is crazy complex and very complicated, but the accepted psak of many paiskim, including the Sefer Kakelos HaShabbos and the Siciliezer, is that it's time. I don't know if you remember, there was a, there was a thing called a kosher switch that they, uh, that they tried. Uh, very, very controversial. Ravosha Weiss got involved. It was a big, big firestorm. They, um, they actually approached me and my father, and I was like, I'm not going to help you. First of all, I don't think it's motor. Also, my name means nothing. So like, well, what are we doing? But the kosher switch was basically, he wanted to make it that it was, a, he wanted to make it that the circuits are some sort of grama, to make it a grama that you could, the, the commercial was, you could turn your light on on Shabbos. Like the commercial was not for a chola. It wasn't like in the Tzomit Institute in Israel for, for Shari Tzedek. This is just, hey, wouldn't it be nice to turn your lights on on Shabbos? Let's do this. Which you, you never, no, no chance, no chance. But even within, Rav Asher Weiss has a very long shuvah, and so does Rebelsky. The definition of grama could be time. Meaning, it doesn't matter if I click this and it causes that to happen. If it's instant, it's not a grama. So because this is happening instantly, the second you take water, the valve is open. It's not time delay. It's not a 30-second time delay, a minute time delay. It's instantaneously. Rabbi Ribiad himself acknowledges that he doesn't know if it's a heter because it is instantaneous, so it may not be grama. And secondly, this is also assuming that at the same time people are taking a shower. It, it, you're taking a big risk because what if, you're, what if it's at a time where there aren't people showering? I, I, but listen, I wouldn't do it. I'm explaining where it comes. I wouldn't do it. I also think that there's a concept which... Um, uh, to me, the Anhog of Kali says not to take a hot shower on Shabbos. I, I don't do it, but this is the background. Shailas should be directed to other Rabbanim. This is the background and the explanation behind it. It would be based on the heter of Suffolk Psikresha, assuming that there's a good chance that there's a non-Jew showering at the exact same time. That would be the heter. But like I said, I, I'm not in. Shaila. Someone asked me a couple days ago, what was a complicated Shaila that came up? So, I'll mention the Shiloh that came up. This is a years ago. I, I don't know whether all of this is correct <laughs> because I never asked, but I, I, to me it makes sense. This is the case. I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what I was thinking. Not because of what specifically happened, but more the academic aspects you could apply to your own life. I came home from, from shul one Friday night. We get home. My mother is waiting outside at the top of the block with the cleaning woman. So I'm already like, what's going on? And we, we take a while to get home because we have to wait till everybody leaves. So what happened was, what we generally do is my mother will leave all the food in the oven before Shabbos with the oven on so that the food stays warm. So everything's fully cooked. Food stays warm. Then the timer makes it that the oven goes off about an hour into Shabbos. But the food is still warm. That's what we generally do. Okay. That's not an issue. I'm not going into involved in that child. This Friday night, the oven was not turned on. So the food is, is warm, but it will not be warm by the time we get to the main course. And that's uh, perturbing certain people. So, and we were having guests. And it wasn't, it was like guests like that you don't want to have a cold chicken. It, it was guests. So the question is, um, the question is, the question is, um, the question is, is there a hat to, for, is there anything we could do? She stayed, the cleaning lady stayed 45 minutes past her shift to, to try to, because it's hard also Friday night. It's hard to, so here's, here's the sugi. So very, very big kids. There's, there's a couple things you've got to figure out. First of all, can they turn on the oven? Okay. Now, turning on the oven is an isa daraisa. 
generally, it is very difficult to get a non-Jew to do an Issa Deraisa for you. Having hot food does not fall under that category of allowing a non-Jew to do an Issa Deraisa. Derabonon, yes, not Deraisa. So I looked at the time. Was it still Bein Hashmashis? Because if it's still within Bein Hashmashis, then you can get a guy. It was past Bein Hashmashis. That's a problem number one. So for that, there is a heter. It's an obscure heter. I'm not saying I would do this all the time, but it's a heter from the Eishel of Ram Abachech. The Eishel of Ram Abachech held that if you want a guy to do an Isidaraisa for you, but you need it for Onik Shabbos, which only permits a rabbinic prohibition, what you do is you ask them to do an Isidaraisa with a Shinoi. Meaning, let's say, the switch, you ask them to do it with their left knuckle. So you're asking them to do a rabbinic prohibition, because you're not asking them to do an isadaraisa. You're asking them to do an isadaraisa through a shinoi, which is only rabbinically forbidden, which is permitted for Onik Shabbos. And then if they choose to do it in their own way, he felt that that was fine, because then they're doing it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. even the, no hinting. This is just direct. That's the Eishel Avram, which I don't love, but that, that's, that's the Eishel Avram. Let's say you want to rely on the Eishel Avram. Okay, we have a second issue. It's Chazara. It's actually not Chazara. It's more Nesina L'Chachila, right? Chazara means you can't put the food back on the oven. Right? If you take off the chillins, you have to hold on to it. Have to... <laughs> the food's in the oven. <laughs> I'm turning on the fire. I mean, it's, it's Chazara without having held it the whole time. It's, it's called Chazara without the Tanoi Chazara. It's called Nesina L'Chachila. Are you allowed to get a non-Jew to do Chazara for you? Because that's a separate issue. So that's a Machleikah's Mishabur and the Chazanish. The Chazanish held absolutely not. The Chazanish had a shita that you're not allowed, the Isra of Chazar is not the action of putting it on, it's the Hashem does not want the food reheated. That's why the Chazanish was against timers to reheat food. He was against it. The Mishabura held that in case of necessity you can get a non-Jew to do Chazar. So you put all this together, in such a situation I felt that because it was a great need, you could rely on all these Haterim to do it. Then I checked it up. <laughs> I had no time. I had no time. I just told, listen, whether this is an accurate uh, application, this is years ago, I'm not sure, but I think each Shiloh on its own is important to know. Um, I'll, I'll tell you like this. We'll stop here because it's getting late. I have Shilohs for next time that I, that I didn't have time. I'll, I'll continue. The, they'll be the first of the Shilohs of next week.